Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to mess it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, I am delighted to tell you lovely, lovely listeners that we are sitting down to chat with the fantastic Fernando Mireles. Not only has he directed The Wonderful City of God and the fantastic The Constant Gardener, but also The Two Popes, the upcoming movie starring Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. It is released on December the 20th in cinemas and on Netflix. We sat down, myself and Dom, and had an amazing, amazing chat with him. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm a writer-producer and I'm a director... So what have you been up to this week? What's inspired you? What has made you want to write? What's made you want to direct, produce, first AD, be a runner? What is it? Because I know that by you listening to this, it's very likely that you want to be a filmmaker or you are a filmmaker. So what are you doing about it? You know, maybe you've hit a brick wall. But if you have, then find a new route. If you've been knocked back, knock harder. If you've been burnt, come back on fire. You are the USP. You. If you want to be a filmmaker, say you're a filmmaker and start doing it and not just talking about it. Make your film. Make it the best it can be. Make that exec not be able to put your project down. Make the numbers so tight and the proposition to invest in your project or you, the hottest property around. You need to do that. Don't bitch and moan that no one else is doing it for you because the reason it's not happening... Hello, welcome to the real world. It's because you are not working hard enough or you're not doing it right. So, keep trying. That's all I can say. Keep learning and make your film. We set up this podcast. We've set it up so we could inspire people and help people in any way we could. So learn, not just from this podcast, from books and other people's mistakes and yours. That's right, your mistakes. Learn from it. Learn from them and make it happen. Make your film. The music you are listening to is from Music Bed. They are our sponsors for this show. And you, being the lucky, wonderful listeners that you are, can get 20% off any purchase. But you can get your first month for free 
So, what are you waiting for? Go get that for free now because you can get music like the music you are listening to under this intro and so much more. They have everything you need from promo, from your trailers to your director reel, your sales teaser, whatever it is. They have it, and there's so many brilliant artists on there. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It is fantastic. And this might be your last chance to get the 20% off any song. And this might be your last chance to get a free month for free because it's free. Um, because this is the last week they are sponsoring us at the moment. Fingers crossed they do some more in the future. So, Music Bed, we love you. Thank you so much for your support. And you, lovely listeners, if you'd be so kind, just click on the link in the show notes and check out musicbed.com. See what they're all about. I'd appreciate that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay, Raindance, we've got another discount for you, and it is the Raindance Comedy Writing Kickstarter. So if you've got a comedy script, screenplay, short, whatever it is, Raindance are doing a fantastic course on January the 20th, and you can get 20% off. Um, you just have to put in capital letters funny christmas when you are paying and you will get 20 percent off that fantastic rain dance comedy writing kickstarter um let me give you some shout outs this week because we haven't done a few for a couple of weeks and i said last week i would um dirt in the gate they do screenings down in bournemouth if you haven't heard of them i'll put the link in the show notes if you're in bournemouth that area they do some fantastic chats with filmmakers and they play old films and classics and new ones as well and recently they had on the director from bait and that podcast should be coming to you very soon shout outs also go to nary blair mangot hello buddy uh steamwork film damien creator the james hughes and of course phil hawkins because his star wars movie his star wars epic his star wars fan film that he made is available now if you've not seen this more for you it is brilliant it is free it is on youtube link is in the show notes to watch that go watch it phil made a star wars movie everyone and it is bloody brilliant um simon cox is film invasion planet earth is eight year epic to try and get that made is now available for you to purchase or watch on sky store because it's on sky store now go go to sky store check out simon's film he's on episode 127 if you want to check that full episode out of how he made this fantastic movie um, and 24 Little Hours, Paul Knight's film, his next movie that he made, uh, it is available on January the 13th as well. If you want to listen to that podcast, which is absolutely bloody fantastic with him, it is episode 31 and 32. I'll try and put links in the show notes. If I have time this evening, I have lots to do. And finally, thank you all the team at DDAPR, Yasmin, Louisa, and of course, Sam. Thank you so much for organizing this podcast with Fernando Moreles. Love you guys. Thank you. All right. I'm going to jump straight to the hotel now where Dom is waiting for me patiently for this week's Filmmakers Podcast. Enjoy. Um, we are sat here at the what hotel is this? The Ham Yard. Ham Yard Hotel Hamyard. in London. Best rated hotel for canapes. Is it really? I think so. It's really fancy. It's. I feel quite posh. I'm actually wearing a suit, so I feel quite good. But you've got a really cool t-shirt on. Thank you. I am sat with Don Lenoir, um, famous director of the fantastic film Winter Ridge, which you should go see um, if you haven't already. Then you really should. And as it's winter, second plug of the day. Mm. Watch it on Amazon Prime or Sky Store. Yeah. Um, oh, what else can you watch? I hear Giles has got something coming out. Uh, yeah, uh, January the thirteenth. Um, my feature that I produced for Staten and Poppy Cousins Row, uh, Serial Killer's Guide to Life. 
is available January the 13th. How cool is that, right? Almost as cool as the fact they're going to be on the Make Your Film panel. They are. What date is that, Dom? What a segue, by the way. January 28th. Wow. This event's just going from strength to strength. Link will be in the show notes to that because we've just finished this week the Make Your Film event six, the Christmas Spectacular. And it was spectacular. It's, yeah, it's funny to say Christmas Spectacular. We were just in silly jumpers. Yeah. That was as Christmas as They were got. pretty silly. Pretty silly. I think Robbie McCain played some Christmas music when people walked in the room. Yeah, uh, that, that was my suggestion, but Robbie Robbie nailed it. did nail it. Yeah. He did nail it. Um, we went with some Home Alone, just, <laughs> just a true classic. But what a great event for filmmaking, for learning about yeah. how to make films, because Greenup was a great panelist. Yeah. Who else did we have on? Deborah and Haywood. Deborah very Haywood. Very funny. Very, very funny story. Very, very real human being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Stuart Brennan, Stuart just, Brennan, just a very nice guy. Really nice guy. And what was so great about him is his story and how he became a filmmaker. We're not going to tell you that now because that would be cheating, right? Because we might release it as a podcast or it might be a patron special. Oh, my gosh. Yes. How very exciting. We are here today to talk about uh, The Two Popes. Yep. which is a press junket. So we have talked to Anthony McCartan, the screenwriter of that. And he also screenwrote a Bohemian Rhapsody. That will be coming out in a week's time or two weeks' time. Yep. But we are here with the director of The Two Popes, Fernando Moreles. Fernando. He's not in the room now. That would have been really weird if me and Dom had just in his whole intro. We've only got 30 yeah. minutes with him and we're there chatting away to ourselves. That would be a total waste of his time. But uh, I can't wait to talk to him. He's the director of City of God, for God's sake. Yeah. What a film Blast that is. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how what his process is, mm. how he makes his films, how he worked with Anthony Hopkins, the legend of the star of The Two Popes. I mean, Jonathan Price, I imagine, is really cool. Yep. And I think we have our guest. Hello, hello. 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 So hello. nice to meet you, Fernando. Thank hello. you so much for coming. We were just doing our intro. Yeah. This is perfect timing. Yeah, I'm interrupting you. No, yeah, no, you're, you're not. Grab, should I grab this? Grab yeah. that mic. Recording. It is recording. Oh, yes. You are on. That was quick. Yeah, yeah. it was straight <laughs> in. Not messing around. Um, this is the Filmmakers Podcast, and we talk about how we make films. So it's... You're both filmmakers. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Directors and producers. Yeah. And a little bit of writing. And, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And we talk to, like say, filmmakers who make films and how they got there how they did it and obviously we're here to talk about the two popes and how fantastic it it is and how great it is thank you so maybe it's good to talk about the two popes let's really get in that in terms of how it came to you obviously we've had a really good chat with anthony mccartan who's coming on the podcast in next week or the week after did he approach you with the project did you come to him what happened no the producer the american producer dan lean Mm. uh from right back production he wanted to make a film on Pope Francis. Yes. So in 2015, he called me and, and asked me if I was interested. And I said, yes, because I like Pope Francis very much, mm-hmm. like big fan. But at the time, I was working on the opening of the Olympics in Rio. I directed the opening ceremony. Did you like Danny friends. Boyle did here in the UK? Yeah. <laughs> well, the producer of the two popes is the producer of the Olympics in, in London. Oh, oh wow. And the okay. pro- yeah, and the production designer of the two popes is the production designer of in London. So we had this connection as well. I was working on the Olympics when we finished. I finished. Uh, the same producer called me again and said, do you remember that idea? Well, now I have a script. And that's when he sent me Anthony's script. And uh, I read it. It was quite intelligent. I liked the idea of uh, instead of making a biopic on, on Pope Francis, mm-hmm. it was a dialogue between him and, and Pope Benedict. So I signed Wow, that oh, quick, yeah. just were like, yeah, I'm in, we're going to make this. Yeah, we? and then uh, I said, I'm in, I signed, and then I read it again, and right. I said, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, it was a 
quite dense script because mm-hmm. it came from a play. Mm. Yeah. So That's right, all, yeah. It was adapted, yeah. Yeah, all, all based in dialogues and, and uh, very wordy, mm-hmm. and quite dry. And I said, how am I going to make this film? It will be a filmed play. Uh, how can I? So my big challenge during all the process, how to make it uh, watchable or, or, or entertaining. Or So what, what I did, my first decision was to make it very light. So instead of making a film on a Pope talking to a cardinal, which might be boring, I tried to make a film of, on two men talking, two men who disagree, like two neighbors, mm. they, or, or they live in the same condominium, condo, and, and they need to, to find middle ground because they have to live with each other. So that, that was my approach. And, and so that's what I told the actors. Yeah. And all the aspects of the film, I tried to make it very uh, personal, very intimate, so I use a lot of handheld, very close to the face of the actors. Mm-hmm. And the light is a very flat light, so I can see the acting. And there's no, no, nothing cinematic. looks like everyday uh, life light. Even the music is very simple. Very, um, we used guitar and, 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 and Bryce Dessner, the, the, the composer, the composer yes. he even changed. He plays the guitar and big part of the film and he changed the strings because he us- us- usually uses uh, uh, metal strings and he changed for nylon strings so so that the sound would, would sound cheap popular easy wow it's in all the aspects of the film we try to make it very simple very there's even just like certain scenes that, that were very uh, they humanized massively like like Pope Francis there's there's a couple of scenes where he goes to get pizza and that's it's one of the more light uh, scenes in the film where he just goes to this little stand mm-hmm. and it's on the streets and he's wearing his and he's, there's this, on one hand he's this huge symbol of power on the other hand he's just going in and drinking an espresso like every other you know every Italian or coffee drinker in the world can identify with a guy going and getting an espresso at a little street store yeah and then you know him and uh, him and uh, the other Pope yeah um, uh, Jonathan Pryor Yes. Benedict, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- sharing together the pizzas, it's it's such an it's such a nice simple scene, and it, it just immediately brings them down from these kind of unreachable figures to just two guys sharing a, p- a slice of pizza together. Yeah, that, that's exactly the the idea. I mean, of course, the, this espresso or the pizza or lots of jokes mm. uh, weren't uh, wasn't in the script. I just tried to. So between the scenes, the dense dialogue, it tried to put these little things to, to humanize. And actually, it's, it's interesting. That was, for me, it was a surprise. Uh, when I watched the first time with the audience, everybody would laugh. Mm. And, and, and then I was asking myself, why, why people, it's not so funny. I mean, eating pizza or drinking Fanta is not that funny. Mm-hmm. But just because they're wearing cassocks, it, it makes it funny. And I wasn't expecting. I thought this was, was going to be a film for a niche. But then we we already got five audience awards. People re- respond to it. But you've you've very you've, you've very much not made it a niche film. And it's funny you absolutely hit the the nail on the the head when you said it's not just a film about two guys having a chat because it it covers so much more and it's the style of it, the editing when they're doing the 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 um, the Pope voting. Um, and you've got all the threads and it's like this kind of quick fire m- uh, montage style. The whole thing is just very dynamic and fluid and fun and entertaining. And it's you could watch the film even if you have zero interest in the church. And, and the ironic thing is you'd probably come out with a much more human and entertained version of what the church is and the people behind it. 
And yet, I think it, they're talking about the issues that they should talk. Yes. But of course, uh, I mean, I had to cut a lot. My first cut had three hours and, and 10 minutes. Okay, that's a Netflix And then the second film. cut, yeah. which I thought, well, that's <laughs> going to be exactly. it. I can't take a single frame, mm-hmm. was two hours and 45. And right. we ended up with two hours. So I cut 45 oh. minutes of a oh. film that I thought oh. couldn't. What I mean is that I we worked on the pace of the film a lot, yes. and the pace was yeah, it was yeah, very yeah. very quick because it was really choppy. It was it really kept moving, moving, moving. Was that something like you said? It was you just fly into these montage sequences, yeah, and you cram in so yeah. much information and like these really key like emotional moments into such a small piece of time. Yeah, and, and sometimes when we had like there's some parts of the script that there was like nine pages of dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. <laughs> so what I did was trying to to how can I break the dialogue. So I sometimes I invented that I put used the Stopwatch. the watch the yeah. watch that would interrupt the conversation and make them walk so they would go to a different place and and so I shot that thing in the watch and I used when I mean I cut the film and then I used it when I thought they would need to, to to move on but but that also became like a very funny moment and it it it, it almost gave the the uh, the Pope like a very unique human characteristic the fact that he's got this kind of walk 10,000 steps thing again it, it brings it back to like the everyday normality, normality of, of, of everyone it. else and it, yeah. it, it but it's surreal but you know it's also based on research because uh, Pope Benedict he's very high tech he likes computer he likes and so it's not not just creating something it's something that he would use actually he has a very if you see some of his photos he have a very fancy electronic watch I don't know what what his watch does mm. but it's quite quite uh, high tech that's amazing let's talk about the casting then because you had an amazing cast you know let's do the two leads with Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price how did you get them attached uh, and we can talk about how you worked with them as well what was the process of bringing them on board in the first were place were they your first choices as well yeah well it's a very easy choice I mean when I, I signed the project I had to cast uh, Pope Francis was the lead mm. lead character so I googled Pope Francis to see his face how, what he looks like what, yeah which yeah. actor could and at that point, uh, Jonathan Price was uh, doing playing uh, High Sparrow yep. in Game of Thrones. Yeah. So there was plenty of photos of, of uh, Jonathan and the Pope compared, and they really look alike. I they said, well, at least yeah. I have to check him. And then uh, I checked him, of course, great actor. And then I saw an interview with him, and he had this, this very humble, good sense of humor. It was a very long interview with him. Mm. And, and, uh, and I thought he had the same energy of the Pope, very feet on the ground like the Pope very good sense of humor so I decided to I told Netflix well that's my guy I think he's, he's he has the same energy he'll be a perfect Pope but it's an expensive film they needed a name so they said okay well, we respect that but we need a name so cast a, a name for Benedict mm. and I had worked with Tony Hopkins before and, and of course who doesn't want to work with Tony Hopkins so I sent him the script he liked it immediately and signed as soon as he signed Netflix said okay now you can can bring Jonathan and I think it was really excellent both excellent choices yes they've, they've got they've got so much to offer as well like, I mean Anthony Hopkins like wow. having, having seen him recently in, in Westworld like, that's one of my favorite performances of his mm-hmm. because he can just he can hide so much behind his eyes and and all this kind of inner life and then give away these tiny nuggets that's his thing he's very very small very doesn't say much and but he's yeah 
he's powerful. I mean, he's, Very he, has, powerful, yeah. he has a charisma. You just put the camera and the camera likes him. Yeah. Do you even need to direct that in any way? Does he come with his own sort of, when they're that big a name and they're that big a star, is it a case of, well, obviously I'm directing you, but is it that, you know, like you said, it's all very small. How, yeah, we, 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 didn't, we didn't have much rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, what we did was before we started the process, this was like five months before we, we, we shot, we had a meeting in London. Mm-hmm. So I selected some scenes for us to read. So we read the scenes just to – and then I, I mentioned that I, I – Let's make it small, personal, intimate. Forget that you're. At some point, uh, uh, Hopkins even takes his little cap, yeah, Pope cap, skull off. cap. Yeah. Because, uh, before that scene, I said, "Let's make it personal." So he took it out to say the line. I, I thought it was very intelligent of him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that was my only only direction. And then they pre- both prepared the part very well. Mm-hmm. So when we were shooting, we had just one or two uh, afternoons reading the script, some scenes. And that was it. And on the day, we would block the scene and, and just shoot it because they were ready to go. And of course, Mama, yeah, always asking them to lower, lower, last, last, last. That was always my That's nice. Yeah, yeah keep my it demand. Intimate. Yeah. Keep it, yeah, keep it small, keep mm. it simple. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah. And, and I, sp- I suppose there is like a sort of, a, you know, the, the actors bring the sort of the warmth, you bring the sort of the quirkiness. And the the script and the story kind of brings the natural conflict of the scenes because there are two guys that are very opposing views, and that kind of creates this uh, electricity, I guess. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it's, it's really uh, was an option of how to perform the lines because if you read the script, uh, it's really a big confrontation when when one one when. Pope Benedict says, uh, you're one of my harshest critics. And the other says, no, I never said anything against Yes, you said that. I mean, all that dialogue could be really a fight and, mm. and with the voice raising. And, and But instead of playing like a fight, uh, I asked him to play with irony. So he, he just says like, yeah, you're my harshest critic, like, like just throwing away. And the other one, and so they're, they're both playing with each other, being ironic. And so it, it became funny and light. But the same scene, if you read it, it, it could be really strong and shouting mm. and, and very both of them very angry because they're but they're a, just, a loggerhead. They, they but. play very light, very yeah, and that kind of plays off, I guess, against their the holiness versus their sort of ego and their their worldviews and and that balance. And I think that's why it works so well is because you can kind of see both existing and, and sort of fighting with each other at the same time a, as, as yeah, well as yeah, their yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, you see them. As, as persons, they're yeah, struggling. There's another scene that uh, there was the play. The play was performed yes. in, in near, not not in London, was outside London. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anthony told me that the the scene in which uh, Pope Benedict tells uh, Cardinal Bergoglio that he's going to resign, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same lines in the play, is a big moment. The guy, uh, it's like a statement, I'm going to resign. And then there's a silence and there's music. No, you can't. Yes, I will. And it's very, and, and I, and I play the opposite. When mm. Tony, and this was, was what I asked him to say, I'm going to resign. And then he's seated in a marble bench. Yeah. At this point, just, you want to go to a chair that is in the other side of the chapel. So say it and just walk, walk away. Yeah. And so he just throw the thing that I'm going to resign. Oh, this marble is cold and just walk out. And so it, it's just a, such a surprise, a totally different tone, mm. but it works so well. As, as you're saying, I mean, the line is there. He doesn't need to stage. Yeah. He doesn't need to perform. Just say the lines. And actually, you create a much more interesting dynamic, and it becomes almost like a running joke throughout the film that he keeps trying to resign. 
and and it adds a lot of warmth to um pope benedict the fact that he he just sort of subtly refuses and it kind of shows that in a way he's caving in but without saying it is that he's 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 and then when you, I won't reveal for spoiler reasons why he's not accepting the resignation and then you finally fill out so it's you've created this like a big arc actually like sub story just from the resignation that plays out over quite a few scenes yeah yeah no the script has different layers it's, it's quite quite smart with that for example are you thinking about from the beginning how your shots are going to be you're thinking about where you're going to move the camera especially in these glorious settings and you mentioned you know handheld and yet a lot of the time it's difficult to tell it was handheld um, yeah. it, it felt very it, it felt very smooth and sort mm. of effortless and the the grand simplicity of, of the you know, the locations was was very well demonstrated. It never felt. It, it did feel like a big film in a, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we started with the idea uh, that uh, to show Benedict's world would be more more steady camera on on, on tripods and sticks and and wide lenses to, to see how the palaces are grand and, and all that, and uh, and to show Bergoglio would be more handheld in the middle of the slums and and more personal, more like a documentary because he's in a, he's he's. Uh, Tasting life, real life. He's really in the middle. Down the street. Yeah. yeah. So we start the film doing this when when the scene is more on, on Benedict. We have one kind of way to to, to use the camera, and when it's about uh, Francis, is the other way. But then little by little, they start talking and we start mixing both things. But that was the starting point. The same thing for music uh, on Benedict. We use we have even a like a little Wagnerian music when he, he's elected. And when Pope Francis elected, it's just guitar, very simple and very popular song. Anyway, we, we try to give to each character a different uh, approach. Which is lovely. Uh, and did you, like I said, did you planned that from the very beginning. Therefore, you mentioned quite a lot there. You wanted to keep it simple with your camera moves, with the performances. Was that a choice right early on? You said, I want to do it this way. Right early on, because mm. I thought that would be the only way to make that uh, that story, that dialogue work. I mean, otherwise it would be very pompous, mm -hmm. very intellectual, very so it really needed to be very... And and regarding the light, you were mentioning the light. Yes. I think Cesar Shaloni, the, the DOP, he had an, a great choice. Usually when you see films on, on churches or palaces, they use the oil paintings as reference. So darks and, and bright mm. areas, lights coming from the window, sometimes a bit of smoke to have the... Yeah, that you know, yeah, 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 yeah. across, sure. And we tried, instead of using oils, uh, paint oils as reference, oil painting, sorry, as reference, we used frescoes. In frescoes, uh, it's not the light which defines the shape of things, it's the color. In, in frescoes, they don't have the, the light effect, it's just color. So uh, Cesar Cerrone, he, he created a very flat light and because we're using the, the red cassock and mm -hmm. black cassocks or white cassocks, we colors would also uh, give us the shape of things. Yeah, and uh, and it worked perfectly. The film might might look very uh, uh, wrong to to use flat light in the film because it's not beautiful. Where's the light coming from the window? Mm -hmm. But it's quite good for the actors. And he, and when you see them in the in the Sistine Chapel, they're almost blended, mixed with the, the, the background. They're part of that environment. It's so beautiful. Well, that's one of the most interesting scenes, I, I think, for lighting is when they enter 
Um, so Pope Francis has gone into a small sort of chap- chapel and he's al- he's almost been locked in for a meeting um, with Pope Benedict. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're in this, like, he's been shut into the dark almost. And then they both sort of walk through into this chapel. And just the as the, the shot becomes wider and wider and more expansive, it becomes brighter and brighter. And you sort of mm-hmm. see the, the murals and it, it is like this perfect moment of like from the darkness into the light we, totally, sort of, we yeah. walk and yeah. it's incredible which is a totally crazy idea because if you go if you see the Sistine Chapel it has uh, windows is what uh, brings the light so there was no reason for, for the chapel to be dark yeah. when he walks in and then when you see the whole chapel it's you see the, the, the windows I mean there, there was but yeah. everybody buys it for some reason yeah. you I mean we just fool the audience and mm-hmm. nobody really Complaints, but isn't that something we do as filmmakers? We 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 have to fool the audience because that's all we have. You know, we've got this yeah. image there, and just off the image is something that we can't see. Is you know scaffolding from the wrong yeah. period, or you know it's yeah. cruised around. So you've got to make sure that what's in that frame is perfect. Because yeah, in, right? in that scene, Pope Francis is taken to. He will have a meeting with the Pope. He's still cardinal, and he will <laughs> have a meeting with the Pope, and he's been taken to a very narrow stair. He doesn't know where where the meeting will happen. Yeah. And he gets to this dark place, and then little by little, he realizes that he's inside the Sistine Chapel. But, I mean, of course, uh, he would see in the first moment. Mm. So we, we kept it all dark to create the surprise, but uh, very unrealistic. But nobody realizes well, uh, yeah. so unrealistic. Mm. I, but I think it works because it, the metaphor of... Uh, and again, yeah, it's, you, it's, you it's, found the metaphor. I, I, yeah. I just wanted to hide oh, right, the right, surprise right. of the oh, Sistine okay, Chapel, okay. but I, I'm glad to, that you to, found, to, yeah, to, you to, found to, the reason. To, to me, it's like he's been sort of... He almost feels like he's been cornered because he's been sort of... You know, the, the, the guard takes him in and, sh- and shuts him in and he's like, he's been sort of summoned here kind of not against his will, but he's not too keen to be, you know, back there. And then as he sort of walks through into the church, like I sort of saw it as like, okay, he's he's walking into God again, and he's he's opening up his fascinating. You know, so and then, and then comes a, comes a jazz. He, he, as he sees the, yeah. the chapel alone, there's this jazz music exactly, playing, yeah. and and because I mean we we tried different um, music, but uh, mm. Michelangelo is very jazz. I mean, if you watch all, if you see all the paintings at Sistine Chapel, Botticelli, there's a lot of big painters, yeah. but they're all very uh, rigid and, and, and controlled. And then you see the, the Last Judgment, from Michelangelo, is pure jazz, it's pure creation, and it's sexy and there's movement. Mm. So we thought that uh, we should have a music that Michelangelo would choose. Yeah. So that's why we, we used jazz. I like that. What is that plant? It's oregano. Your gardener gave it to me. You're very popular. I just try to be myself. Whenever I try to be myself, people don't seem to like me very much. Confidential church documents were allegedly leaked to the press. Alleging corruption and misconduct among the clergy. I hope this business is not too distressing. Does a shepherd run away with the wolves appear? We are moving in directions I can no longer condone. I've struggled to do what must be done, but I've lost. Hopes can't resign. If you do this, you will damage the papacy forever. I can no longer sit on the chair of St. Peter. You're mistaken. You are friends. I cannot play this role anymore. There's a saying, God always corrects one pop by presenting the world with another pop. I should quite like to see my correction. Cuando tenga la tierra... 
Reform needs a politician. The most important qualification for any leader is not wanting to be leader. It's not me who needs to be satisfied. It's 1.2 billion believers. You're the right person. Church needs to change and you could be that change. It could never be me. Just go back to what you were saying about the the script a minute ago mm. and um, stripping things back. I think something that makes this very interesting and so engaging is that you you do kind of let the the actors do a lot of the a lot of the work and the interactions between them with the body language uh, rather than with the dialogue. I mean, t- two good examples is there's there's one where he goes in. Uh, he's been visiting the summer home of uh, Pope Benedict, and they're they're kind of having this war, and you're using the the mechanism of the uh, the, the walking and the sitting down and one of them wants to walk and the other one wants to sit down and there's this kind of like stop start between the two of them like about when they're gonna sit and walk and neither of them quite feel comfortable and the other one is it's it's almost no dialogue is when he's um pope francis is the cardinal at that time and he he's meeting with uh this this other priest that he feels like he's betrayed and there's just zero dialogue in their their reconciliation it's it's almost like a you know he's he's washing his hands at the start and he he's kind of you know atoning for his sins and they go out together and they have the sermon and there's just this moment of expression between the two of them and it's so much more powerful by not having anything said and just having that forgiveness in, in holding a sermon together yeah that that sequence is so beautiful it's, uh, because of pope francis that priest um, Padre Calix was his name. He was uh, arrested and and tortured for s- four months, and and so years later they 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 had this mass together and Jalex forgived uh, Pope Francis. So we have this moment of the the forgiveness of. Uh, it's really I mean uh, for for I think. 10, 12 screenings of the film, I would all, almost cry every time. Yeah. Now I don't cry anymore. Now I'm just got used to it. But it's quite emotional. The actor, it is, yeah. The actor is an Argentinian actor. He's, he's fantastic. He Cooks, brings, he's, he's amazing. He brings a lot of heart to that yeah. scene. He's a very likable guy. In terms of the edit, then, you talked about having to cut out, well, already you took out quite a bit before you took out the 45 minutes. How do you go about then as filmmakers? We go, how do you, how do you sit and go, right, I just need to hack through this to get to the point. What was it? Did you have to kill some of your darlings, kill your babies to get to that point? What's your process yeah, you, in you the editing room? You have to be brave. To be honest, I think I cut more than I wanted. There was some very good dialogues that I, I cut because the scenes, the scenes were very good. Dialogues mm-hmm. very intelligent and, and performance very good. But then... In the, if you watch the whole film, the film was starting to drag too much. Mm. So sometimes cutting a scene, even if the scene that you like, helps the whole film. Because if we keep too much scenes that we like, the end of the film can be good, but the audience will be tired. No, that's that's just a feeling thing. So I watching the thing. Sometimes at the, I wanted the film to finish, and I was I had still ten minutes to go. 
But yeah. the ending was very good. So I, s- I said, oh, I have to cut something before. So at this point, I don't want to, you know. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's a balance. It's very subjective, very in- intuitive. Yeah. And you do, you do get that quite a lot with films, actually, where you, in hindsight, you think that was an incredible film. But when you're watching it, you're like, I'm, I'm really enjoying this, but I just... It, something doesn't qu- quite feel like it feels like it's gone on a little bit too long in this section or if they just chopped this little bit out but I, I feel like this film because everything was so lean in the script and the dialogue it did capture the characters where you needed to capture them and and humanize them and i think um i think the way that you did it it was possibly more more obvious with pope francis but with but with benedict there, there was subtle moments that kind of built his arc quite well over the top and you you learnt quite a lot about him throughout the film even though there's not a huge amount of his backstory compared to the other Pope yeah I'm, I'm always very aware of, of pace I remember I had an experience when I, I was cutting The Constant Gardener uh, we, we had the film, whole film cut and it wasn't working for this reason I mean at some point you really you weren't interested anymore and in the film there was a big segment like uh, 14 minutes that the story would, was in, in Germany and would move to Canada. And there was a whole plot in Canada. And uh, that I loved was all shot in, in, in the snow in, in Winnipeg. It was very cold, very difficult to shoot, very expensive. But then at some point we said, well, maybe we have to cut the whole Canada sequence off, which is crazy, like cutting a million or two million dollars of, of the money film. as well, yeah. But we tried and when we cut the, the middle of the film, the end of the film worked perfectly. Mm. So we, like we found the right pace for the film and the film was nominated and all that. So, so sometimes, yeah, if you have the problem with the ending, you say, no, it's not the ending. It's something before the ending. And, and That's interesting. How, how do you think you learned that? How do you think you found your way through films, you know, coming from uh, you know, Brazil and making uh, feature films over there and City of God obviously being the one that broke you out into the world, if you like, even though you were doing very well in Brazil. How did you find your way in terms of knowing what works and what doesn't? What was a, a tip for uh, I think filmmakers? there's no rule. You have, yeah, okay. to, you have to watch it and, and feel it. And, and as you said, you, we can't be attached to scenes we like or mm-hmm. to performance. Sometimes we want to keep something because the performance is amazing or because this framing is... Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not going to cut this, the light, the, the clouds yeah, behind. It's so Look pure. at it. We spent ages yeah, waiting yeah. for this moment. Yeah. But then you really have to, to, to be... I mean, you're telling a story. I learned a lot, again, just to t- talk about The Constant Gardener. Mm. Uh, I had a, an editor that she, she taught me a lot because yeah. we... Before uh, I came to this point at cutting one chunk of the film, we had, a, we had the whole film and it wasn't working. She said, you know what we have to do? We have to strip to the bones. And I learned this, this expression. And uh, so we had like a two hours and a half film. She said, let's make it as short as possible to tell a story. So we cut the same fil- film in, in 42 minutes. Wow, wow. And she okay. said that this is strip to the bones. I remember, and I always use that. And then we had this... 42 minutes episode and she said that's our film now let's bring back what we think we need and and we brought back like one hour and something but we knew what was fundamental what our story was mm. and then we and when we did that the whole thing worked much better Claire Simpson is the name of the, 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 the editor, editor. Okay. she edits for Oliver Stone I mean mm. lots of amazing films and she taught me this and I never forgot I mean I always use this idea of 
what's my story? Strip to the bones. It's very important to have an editor like that, isn't it? Because as as a filmmaker, you are sort of intrinsically attached to it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you do need someone outside of you who who will be a bit more firm and say, like, do you really need that? Because as soon as you're told about something that you've got an inkling for that you've maybe been denying about Mm -hmm. whether you should get rid of it, it's much more obvious and you can. there's a bit more freedom to let go of it. But when you're looking at it just on your own eyes and your own merits and you're you're thinking and you've got all these other weights on it, it's quite quite difficult to get rid of stuff, isn't it? Yes, it's it's true. And and you mentioned the editor, having a good editor. For me, I mean, in the process, I think the first first person that I have to choose – is the editor. Then really? think about actor and, 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 and writer. And in this film, when I was approached by, by Dan Lean, the producer, he said, you want to make a film? How it's going to work? I said, okay. The only condition is that I, have, I want to have this editor, Fernando Stutz. He's a Brazilian young editor. Now he's, he's living in London because he's finishing his PhD. Wow. And he's a genius. He's brilliant. And I said, okay, I'll do the film, but uh, not this, I can't negotiate Will be this editor. I said, okay, and and the guy is really good. If you watch the film, it goes back and forth. It plays with the time. Of course, this was not on the script. The script was quite linear, mm. and this was not myself. This was uh, Fernando Stutz trying playing around. He he tells a story. He jumps in time very freely, and he's a musician. He edits with his keyboard, so he edits and and, and composes the music for the for his. And then, of course, the composer recreates whatever he wants, but. Uh, He's very musical. He understands rhythm. And it is all rhythm, isn't it? Like storytelling yep. and whether you're engaged in a film. Like I think what keeps this film so absolutely exciting is, is the fact that you, you, even though you've got some quite intimate scenes that are two guys talking and, and you know, acting, it never, ever, ever feels like it's dragging on. It's, it's, and that is because of the pace and the music and, and, and the, the rhythm, rhythm and, 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 and the, the sound. I mean, the yeah. sound design, crickets, and uh, it's all part of the and wind. And, and sound of rain. I mean, this guy is really brilliant. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
Well, you can save a, a, an edit. You can save a scene that you go, it's not really working with a sound or with a bit of music. It really does make a huge difference, especially on the indie level. Maybe not so much where you're at, but certainly yeah. when we make it and you go, oh, if I just put a sound over this and you go, oh, my gosh, that, now the scene totally works. And you believe that they've gone from that room to yeah, that room. Yeah, and that's the thing with, with Fernando. I mean, mm. he, he starts thinking about the sound before the, the, the meaning of the scene or the image. Yeah. So uh, when you see his, his the Avid, the, the, the editing the software, desktop, yeah. he uses like average 17 tracks for every little thing. Wow. The ambience, is, it's all there. I mean, it makes it very easy for whoever's going to uh, finish the, film. The, the sound design yes. because he brings everything. The frogs, the, there's some details that I love. <laughs> like there's a scene that we show Castel Gandolfo, which is the summer residence, mm. and, and it's night. And it's going to be a day. We have to cut to show that uh, the, the night passed. At night, we see just the image of the Castel Gandolfo, and there's the nightingale singing, like in Romeo and Juliet. Then we cut to a, a day scene, and there's the lark, like in Romeo and Juliet. That this, uh, Juliet asks, is it, uh, is it uh, lark nightingale? He says, no, it's the lark. I need to go. It's morning. So he used the sound of a lark from Italy and the sound of a nightingale from Italy. To, it's this kind of subtle things that, you know. And, and that's what makes films so great is those subtle moments. Yeah, nobody, nobody will get that. No, of course but, not. But that's Our listeners will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they'll yeah. be like, yeah, I know this. But you're right. That's what makes a really good editor. And that sounds like yeah. you found someone wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And what we were talking about earlier is finding the right people you want to work with because it makes your life easier on set. Yeah. In terms of your DP as well and working with the same crew, I don't know if you've brought any from your past with the Constant Garden you mentioned earlier. that you, Someone who were brilliant, you've kept on is that something you like to do bring the same crew with you you well, actually dp is my my partner forever for life of course so yeah. we shot the uh, seat of god and, and the constant garden mm -hmm. blindness and now this film yeah we were so used to work together so now we, we i respect uh i give him his space to create because he's, he's really an artist mm. and 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 he knows when i have to he, he needs to do what i'm asking him but usually i let him go you know i i Yeah, I explore my crew a lot. I mean, I call people and, and I don't tell them what to do. I ask them what to do. Okay. Yeah, so I never say to, to a costume designer, oh, I think the cardinal should be, I just ask, how should this cardinal be wearing? What should be wearing now? I, I never tell them. I you ask can, them. You can agree or disagree. And you yeah. Let, let, yeah, let, yeah. Let, yeah. Let and I bring tend, their ideas. And yeah. sometimes when I don't understand, I tend to agree. I say, I, I don't like much, but are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, let's do it your way. Because he knows more about uh, art direction than mm. I do, and he knows more about costume than I do. Mm. I can't call a DOP and tell him what to do. I mean, the guy is, is a master in, in what he does. So, Same so thing for the actor. I ask actors, what do you think if we walk? Would that work for you? But I never say walk. Stand up and go there. Never, never. Yeah. Never. Wow. Because <laughs> if not, ask them. If not, they'll have do a good you feel, How do you feel if you do this? How do you feel if you exactly. raise your voice? Yeah. Would it feel right? And he said, no, okay, don't do it. What about when we were working with kids then on City of God? Could you do that with them? Because obviously I imagine that was slightly improvised in some way. You know, could you tell them to sort of, or was that again the same thing? What would you be doing there? Yeah, well, with the kids was more in City of God was different because they, they, they were not professional. Mm. So uh, all the scenes were kind of improvised. They yeah. never read the script. They knew the meaning of the scene. Mm -hmm. So I shot every scene like several times 
And okay. we really, we created the, the dialogues and the scenes in the cutting room. I would just ask them to improvise with two, three cameras and, and repeating, repeating. And then the ed, again, the editor, Daniel Hezeid, who's also brilliant, mm. wrote the, rewrote the script. Great. So, so how did City of God kind of come about? Because obviously it's like, it's, it's, quite a different film and budget and an approach to filmmaking to you know where, where we're at now with with two popes but it's still a phenomenal piece of, of storytelling like what were the challenges of getting that made had you been you know how did the project come to you Has it, had it been in the pipeline for a while was it just sort of go out and make it yeah well i was, was working with uh, commercials for a while mm-hmm. like 10 years and i thought was enough for a lifetime <laughs> and I used this period to Boy, learn yeah. my school I mean I never went to film school I'm an architect but oh, I wow. used my, my experience as, as a commercial director to learn in this period I worked with all the production designers in Brazil all the good photographers everybody that I would like mm-hmm. I would call and make any just to, to learn so they were my my teachers were really the best people that I could find in Brazil and then after 10 years I wanted to make a film and I was reading or trying to f- come up with a story, and I was given this book, City of God. I said, no, I'm not going to do a film on, on slums because I don't know this world, and I don't like sh- films with guns and, and people shooting each other. And mm. But then I start reading, and, and the film, rev- the, the book reveals a part of the country that I didn't know. So it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, 42 years old, I live in Brazil, and I don't know part of Brazil. Mm. So I decided to buy the rights and I bought the rights. I adapted with a friend of mine who had never uh, written a, a feature before. And I called a whole crew that had never worked in cinema, first time editor, first time writer, first time first assistant. It's all, only Cesar Shaloni, DOP had some experience. All the rest was all first timers like wow, myself. Wow. And, wow. Uh, that turned out right. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and it was supposed to be a very uh, film for Brazilian audience because there's no known actor Nobody wanted to finance it, so I did the stupid thing. I financed it myself. I put my money to... to, really? to yeah, it's very stupid, isn't it? Well, is it, though? I mean... I mean it looks like it's worked out all right for you. No, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. yeah, no, actually, actually, uh, the, there was an, an agreement with Miramax. They were going to yeah. make a film, a Walter Salas, uh, Brazilian director mm-hmm. film, in Italy, and Walter said, okay, uh, Walter was a co-producer, said, okay, you... you I'll make this film if you finance the small Brazilian film. So it was like 40 million for Walter and they would give me like $2 million. But then Walter Sellers' films collapsed and I was already preparing my film. Of course you were, yeah. And and they said, oh no, now we we don't have agreement with Walter Sellers anymore so your film doesn't interest me. Oh no, oh my gosh. And the boys were ready to go. I was uh-huh. one month and a half before shooting. I said, well, now I, I can't stop now. So I start signing checks and I financed it myself. I cut the film, and then I, I went to New York and, and to, to Paris to try to sell it, and sold it like this. So it was easy. I didn't, I didn't realize I had a good film. How, Did you and not? I sold, you know? I just, wow. I just got my money back. I could have made some money with the film, but I didn't. Because at that point, I just wanted to get my money back. How, how much, if, if I can ask? Uh, it was one, $1.5 million. 
Wow. It's quite stupid, isn't it? That's crazy. But I mean, I had stupid. I was working for 10 years in, in yeah, commercials, yeah. so, so I were, had. Yeah. But I mean, it was 10 years of work yeah. in the film. It was I mean, it was very stupid. I, 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 I know I, I was stupid. But I think that's very admirable. And I, no, I know stupid, you, I, not I, admirable. Yeah, one stupid. Let's say. Say. You, say, you, say, you say stupid, and, and like, I agree it's reckless, and like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, reckless. maybe, maybe, maybe most <laughs> people. It's true. Maybe most people wouldn't do that. But at the same time, You had a product that was so good uh-huh. that it made its money back, and but I you made know. a huge. I wish ne- I wish I would know before, you know. Yeah, because I, so, I saw you... them with a Umatic tape, uh, a copy from straight from the, the mm. cutting machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I knew it was a good film, I could negotiate it better. But, but imagine, <laughs> imagine if you hadn't. Imagine if you hadn't made that gamble, and the film had never made. You That's might, so true. You might still be doing commercials. So it's like. To yeah. me, it, it's, it's almost like, in hindsight, it, it's ridiculously risky, but it's, it was almost the perfect decision. Yeah, no, so we, it, we have to risk in you life. Do, well, exactly. well like it. making a film on the Vatican, two old men talking yeah. about religion. That's a I risk. Mean, what a crazy how, how, idea. How has <laughs> the, <how is laughs> the reception been from, from churchgoers or the church on that? It's quite well. Yesterday, I was in Rome. We had a, a screening for some people from the church, mm-hmm. and, and, and we had the presence of Cardinal Tuxen, He's a cardinal from Ghana, uh-huh. who's one of the closest cardinal for Benedict. And he's also very close to Pope Francis. And, and at some point, he was one of the characters of the film. Then we cut all his plot. Actually, when I trimmed the film, mm. I shot Cardinal Turkson in the film, and then I cut all his plot. The actor's going to be yeah. over the moon. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but he, 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 liked, he liked the film. I asked right. him if, he, if I was... Very rude or very hard on the church. He said, "No, you're very light, actually." I, I think you said as well, yeah. And he asked this uh, copy to send to the Pope. So it, Pope Francis might watch the film. Oh, I'm very right. glad yeah. of He's that. probably got Netflix. He's yeah. probably I, seen. I, it I, I think. No, no. People say that he doesn't watch TV anymore. Oh, okay. Not even football. He loves football, but yeah. he because he thinks it's a waste of time. So he, well, he doesn't watch TV anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. TV uh, is. Well. So, but I hope he watches the film. Yeah, yeah. I hope so too. How amazing! Just jumping back there. So, because uh, it's, it's fascinating that you got City of God and you went out and sold it yourself, which mm. a lot of filmmakers struggle to do. It's yeah. like I've made a film. What do I do with it? And you went and did that yourself, which is amazing because from that constant garden kind of came about obviously america were now interested in you as a yeah this is a british film, film yeah yeah, actually, yeah, very, yeah. British. yeah very british yeah, Sorry, yeah but i mean in terms of it was oh, see, yeah, yeah, the hollywood yeah. talk you yeah, know and yeah. hollywood names at the yeah, time after city of god i had like 17 20 scripts offered really? in Cannes because the film opened in Cannes, and in one week i came back to brazil for a pile of, of scripts i couldn't believe i wasn't prepared for that yeah. it's just just a brazilian film with unknown actors mm-hmm. made at home And, and, and yeah. suddenly it was really out of control. Yeah. And did you, from that, you picked which one you wanted to do or was it a case of... No, because uh, uh, when, when uh, I read some of them, but then with the same writer, we decided to make a film uh, about the state of the world, we'd call Intolerance. Mm. And, and we start writing the script and we start traveling around the world to, to visit the places where we were going to shoot. And when I came to London... I was coming from 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 the from Kenya to London because part of our film would happen in Kenya. So it was a runner, sorry for runner. Then I came to London and I met the producer of the Constant Garner by chance. He was in a cafe at Soho, wow. and a friend of mine introduced me to him. And he said, "You know, I have a script here in my production uh, company, which is upstairs." Would you be interested? I, I thought about you for directing. I said, "Wow, I'm here. Just yeah. give me." Yeah. At night, I read the script and I liked it. And the story was set in Kenya. 
and, and in Germany, where my story was set. So maybe it would be good. I mean, he's ready to go. I can shoot this. He, was, he wanted to shoot in four months. You could use maybe, that as prep yeah, for yours. Yeah, maybe I can shoot with him, <laughs> learn how to make an international film because I have no experience, mm-hmm. and then I come back to make my film. Yes. And that's how I got involved with The Constant Garden. It was just to train so I could make Intolerance. Use it as one big recce. Intolerance, <laughs> which never happened. Uh, and, and it ended up being a very, very powerful film. I mean, how, how did you? Were you always set on the cast for it? Because what? Know, uh, it, yeah, Constant Gardner, amazing. No, no. When when he offered me, uh, uh, Ralph Fiennes was already attached. He's wow. incredible. Like, yeah, really he was incredible. just uh, looking for a uh, looking for a director. Yeah. So I just casted uh, Rachel Weisz, who ended up winning an Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, Oscar for her part. But uh, was all. Like accident, just because the guy was having a coffee where we were having a coffee, mm-hmm. I was introduced, and and then how life is, isn't it? That's, isn't that's that kind, how that's life kind is. of how life and, and and networking is as well? Like it, it's if you're just mm-hmm. if you're just always making work and and meeting people because you're you're passionate about film, these things just come, I guess, and yeah. you know yes. off the back of your track record and and chance encounters, you being in the right create, place at the exactly, right time, you create those opportunities. Yeah. And yeah. then the producer of this film of the Constant Garden was mm-hmm. Tracy Seward. And the production designer was Mark Tisley, who did the Olympics and, and who are working with me now because they became good friends. Amazing. It's such a lovely turnaround. Yeah. Uh, and the two popes, you must be very proud and very happy with the reception and how it's, it's been perceived at the moment. And it's amazing to get this double release of Netflix and cinema at the same time. Was that a really interesting thing for you to go to Netflix with it, to sort of, uh, even though it was sort of all part of the package to have a Netflix film rather than you know normal traditional route how did you think no, about I'm, that I'm very happy with it because I mean they, they're really supportive yeah first of all uh, when we were developing the script we had a producer uh, Sarah Bremner from Netflix and she really helped uh, building and, and, and re- rewriting and, and, and I mean setting the, the getting to a good good solid script so that was very so, good. So a support rather than a sort of an interference. No, no, it was really more than support. Really good ideas and, and helped me a lot. And then, of course, they, they have money. So money was never an issue. You can, you can like, there was, there was a scene that uh, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis would take a car to mm-hmm. go from Castel Gandolfo to Rome. They say, well, why, why instead of a car, let's use a helicopter because it will be nice in the trailer. <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah, and I, I love that, I love that <laughs> white helicopter that I had seen on YouTube. Mm. And and there wasn't a single moment. Are you sure? They said sure. And the helicopter cost something around three hundred thousand dollars. Just an idea. And, oh, but wow. nobody, nobody, because we 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 rent the helicopter was Berlusconi's helicopter, right. which was black, blue, uh, dark blue. Yes. And we had to 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 put a, how do you call it this this uh, the print that you put in in uh, cars. It's not a. Well, in, uh, a, in mat. The, a mat, mat yeah, yeah, mat so, yeah, yeah, to make it white. Uh-huh. I mean, it was very expensive to transform <laughs> Berlusconi's uh, helicopter, then change the inside and yeah. rent it for two, three days. Uh, I mean, but they, they never just an, as an example of how supportive. That's an idea. Is it important for the film? Yes, I think a helicopter would be nice and. Let's, let's do Get it. Get some nice aerial views. Got bird's eye view. God's eye view. Let's God's do eye it. View. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and I like the idea of the popes using uh, headphones. That's the image I wanted. So yeah. and that, and that's lovely. There's a great moment when um, Pope Benedict takes off his headphones as another uh, another <laughs> moment to refuse the resignation as well. Yeah, yeah. We went up making a joke, but anyway, this is the kind of support that Netflix gave me in, in all the areas. I mean, never had any any. No, you can't do this. Don't go there. It was really, really. 
That's incredible. So I take it you go and hope to do another film with them. Is that the idea? Yeah, I'm already <laughs> already signed a new one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a film on, on the climate crisis. Great. It's, it's something that I'm obsessed with. Yeah. I'm very yeah. pessimistic about the world mm-hmm. where we're going to. I understand. So hopefully, and I want to shoot. If possible, next year, like August, September, Great. To, to release it in 2021. I think we don't have time to. We have to no, we, we deal don't with have time that. To wait. Yeah. We, have no. to we, we don't have time now, to. Yeah, so it's like a. But and the challenge is is how to make a film on the climate crisis without being boring, boring, or banging the drum, or, yeah, or on the nose, or, uh-huh. or inform without being like a militant which is a perfect way to segue back to the two popes because that's exactly what you did exactly. you know it yeah, could have yeah. been Get two blokes in a room difficult issue and yeah. make it it, ne- it never felt preachy it never it preachy. never felt like you're listening to a sermon of, of <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that's my challenge for the next one yeah. amazing uh, Fernando Morales thank yeah. you so much for your time um, you. when can we see the film we can, Netflix is 20th of December when, yeah but it's uh, if, it's in cinemas it depends now. on when you're, you're going to use this uh, it's better to watch it in, in, in the room yes cinema because yeah in cinema the sound I mean sound yeah. in cinemas are better than sounds at home yeah. I agree with that and, and avoid cell phones please yeah. <laughs> please don't watch this on the cell phone it's something yeah. Scorsese said the other day isn't never, it with the Irishman please don't watch it on the iPhone no but if you don't have any other way to watch it watch it on the yeah. cell phone it's better yeah. that than nothing it's better than not watching yeah. so agreed with yeah, that that's, agreed that's with that. just correct it but it is Netflix 20th of December and cinemas now you can watch it in the cinemas yeah, now yeah cinemas now and, and do go and watch it even if you aren't interested in religion or, or the, the two popes that, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it covers everything it's, it's a it's a global humanitarian film thank and you it's, it's I agree. light and it's fun <laughs> thank you so much congratulations thank on you your very much. thank you for your time thank you. Thanks. cheers bye bye well there you have it that was the podcast with Fernando Morales. Thank you so much for listening. What a great guy he was. So much fun, so much energy, and so much advice for filmmakers. And the fact that he just went out there and made his film for one point, whatever million it was, and he did it with his own money. As he says, that's crazy. I'm not advising you to do that. Uh, what I'm saying to take from that is the fact that it's inspiring that he just went out there and made it. He was so passionate about his film and it worked out for him. Don't do that though. Don't remortgage your house. Do not do that to make your film, but do whatever else you can to go out there and make your film. Be inspired. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you've enjoyed this, do subscribe to us. Uh, follow us on all the platforms. We're on Twitter, at FilmmakersPod. I am on, at Giles Alderson. Dom is at De Dom Lenoir. Uh, link to all those that are in the show notes. Thank you very much. Remember, do go out and make your film. It is not impossible. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, just like Fernando has, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. And since it's Christmas coming up, be careful. And remember, eat well. Do eat well. It's so important as filmmakers. It's so important just for your life. Do eat well. Do you know what? Try not to have too much meat. It's really not good for you. And cut down on the sweets. Yeah? I don't know why I'm saying this right now. Obviously, we're editing Food for Thought Doc. But it's important. Think about the environment and the planet. Try and make a difference. Uh, and you'll become a better filmmaker. That's not true. Uh, my lawyer's telling me, shaking my head, that's just not true. You might, though. You never know. Anyway, have a great week leading up to Christmas. We do have a fantastic podcast next week for you with the fantastic, brilliant director, Zachary Adler, who not only made the um, rise and the fall of the Cray 
Twins, uh, which are two fantastic films that I helped first AD. But also his film, The Courier, is out uh, probably this week. It's out this week, and we're chatting with him next week. And he talks all about that, which stars uh, Olga Kurilenko and, of course, Gary Oldman. Join us for that next week. Until next time, go out there, make your film. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye.